You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. to this Locked on Browns podcast. I'm your host, Jared Mueller, and those are the sweet voice of Keith Sweat and the song called Twisted. And that's where we start off today with a little bit of Twisted going on between Terrell Pryor and Tony Grossi. If you haven't seen the video, I encourage you to uh, check it out. I've retweeted it on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. But there's an interaction between Tony Grossi and Terrell Pryor, uh, shot by a, a friend of mine, George Thomas, uh, who does a lot of great film work covering all of Cleveland teams. And it's an interesting little look at the frustration of a player with the media and really the media with a player. And so uh, Grossi asks a question about an, an interaction between. Uh, Pryor and Robert Griffin III. And Pryor basically puts it back on Grossi and on the media for twisting things, saying that it's just a conversation between him and his quarterback uh, and showing some anger that uh, the media would assume some things about Pryor, about Griffin, about the team. Uh, and so Twisted seems like the uh, perfect song to kind of intro into that. And so um, had an actual a little Twitter conversation uh, with my buddy George Thomas, um, who actually shot the video, just to try to get a feel for the room, um, because I know when you know, I'm in those rooms at times, and again, you know when there's an air in the room, when there's a feel in the room, uh, kind of where are things, and so uh, George just kind of gave some feedback that uh, Pryor seemed annoyed, kind of salty when he walked into the room, um, that he maybe wasn't the highest level of professional. Uh, those are my words, not George's, um, but just a feel for kind of where things were and how it got where it was, uh, was kind of important to me. Because as you know, for me, I believe the media has a huge responsibility in how they do things, including myself, uh, how we spin things, how we uh, make some assumptions as prior talked about. And so I think we saw today what happens when a player gets frustrated. What happens is, it's not about blame, it's not about right or wrong, it's not about the player, it's not about Tony Grossi, but I think you can see why I've been told by players and agents that Cleveland's media is a problem. Cleveland's media is a joke, <clears throat> and that's because it's about kind of how that narrative kind of gets rolled, and so part of my conversation with, with George was... Um, just about that, about looking for the negatives, looking for the problems. And as George said, there's really, you don't have to look that far. The Browns are losing. They're not playing well. There's a lot of things uh, to go at. But I would say what you see with Cleveland media, what you see with uh, a lot of losing teams medias, um, not all, but many, is you see a lot of confirmation bias. And so when you see someone yelling at each other on the sideline, Confirmation bias says, well, the Browns have always been terrible and dysfunctional, so that must be terrible and dysfunctional. Yet the, some similar things when Tom Brady is unloading on 
Julian Edelman was um, Brady being a leader. And so there's some confirmation bias there. And so uh, the idea that there was dysfunction or a problem uh, between Robert Griffin III and Terrell Pryor frustrated Pryor. It frustrated Pryor that that was automatically assumed uh, by the media. Now, again, Pryor came into that salty. You could tell it from the video. Um, you could tell, I mean, obviously George kind of gave me that information as well. But it's important to understand how narrative can play a huge role. If I see something um, and I believe that a wide receiver ran the wrong route, then I can kind of set up that narrative for those who follow me, those who um, think what I have to say is right. I can kind of set up that narrative. And for players, they hear that stuff. They're engaged in that kind of stuff. And so players know, I can tell you for a fact that um, players both inside and outside of the Browns do not think well of Cleveland media. Not all. And again, that's a broad stroke. I think you have a lot of people who work really, really hard. And I don't assume the negative about people. But on the other hand, it's important that media, and I take myself in this as well, take responsibility for how we influence that narrative, how we influence people, and how we can influence players. For me, the concern is this. How does the Cleveland media... The fact that there's always the assumption of negatives or problems or drama or dysfunction, how could that impact Terrell Pryor re-signing? How could that impact other free agents possibly re-signing? How could that undermine the coaching staff or the front office to an owner who seems to react quickly and strongly to things that maybe he shouldn't? Now, again, we're not talking about whether or not we have to blame because maybe Jimmy Haslam shouldn't react to things and, and maybe players should see beyond the media. But I think in the Terrell Pryor uh, reaction, you saw what happens when a team is losing, when a player is frustrated, and when a media member or media members make assumptions. It's a bad combination, and it made for some bad but interesting video. Another kind of uh, actually really news is that the Browns claimed running back Darius Jackson off waivers from the Cowboys. And so uh, Jackson is an interest was in an interesting position. He was a sixth round pick, um, but he was behind Zeke, Alfred Morris, Lance Dunbar. Uh, with Darren McFadden returning, really, um, he's been inactive all year, really didn't have a lot of opportunity in Dallas, just based on you know, who they were, but showed some stuff during training camp and preseason that really had play, people excited about about him out of uh, the small school, um, Eastern Michigan of the Mid-American Conference. Again, a sixth round pick. Um, but it's interesting that at least at a minimum, the San Francisco 49ers put in a claim. And as we know, there are multiple teams besides the 49ers uh, that put in claims for Jackson. And he has a lot of fans kind of excited. Obviously a six round pick, the Browns could have picked him up a few different times, but um, with Watson, um, who many thought Hugh Jackson really liked coming over from Cincinnati, uh, Crowell and Duke Johnson on the roster, there wasn't a lot of room uh, during the draft for a running back, but now there is. George Atkinson has done nothing as a running back, and you really have only had Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson. Crowell has shown pretty well. I believe he's about a 4.9 yards per carry average, um, and so he's shown some some really good ability. 
Duke Johnson hasn't really gotten a ton of opportunities carrying the ball, has shown well uh, when he has had some of those opportunities as well in the past game, which isn't surprising. And now we have Jackson. Corey Lemonier was actually released. Many thought it'd be Atkinson. I definitely did. But instead, linebacker Corey Lemonier, who uh, was also a waiver claim from San Francisco, showed a little bit, didn't show a ton for the Browns this year. Uh, but he was dropped, even though Atkinson isn't really doing anything, including returning kicks at this point in time, something that he was during, doing earlier in the season. So who is Darius Jackson? Uh, again, out of Eastern Michigan, a six-round pick. Uh, Jackson had some really interesting uh, measurables. And so he's a spark. Uh, if you don't know what spark is, S-P-A-R-Q. He is a spark love child. And so the same as Dan Vitale, spark is um, a measurement of athletic ability and a bunch of other things that kind of grade really people's upside. And so to for example, uh, Darius Jackson was number three. Vitali was number five as a fullback, which is really impressive. Um, but then you have a player like Derrick Henry, who was number 11. And so you get in kind of an idea of kind of the upside. CJ Procise, 21. It's that, that high level. It's not really about skill on the field. It's about athletic ability. Kenneth Dixon, 22. Uh, and so you, you got some high level players. But then you have someone like Zeke, who isn't really that physical specimen. He's just an amazing football player. He's down at 41 in Spark. And so it's not to say Spark is a be-all, end-all, but it is an upside measurable, especially. And so when you're looking for explosive playmakers, running back, wide receiver, maybe even corner and safety, edge players, Spark can give you some very, very interesting information. And so uh, Jackson was... Um, almost in the 99th percentile of all NFL players that was graded by Spark. And so that's a huge number. And so that tells you uh, he has a lot of upside. He's got a lot of physical gifts. Whether he can take that six foot, 221 pound body and really um, make something of it is a different discussion. But for a waiver claim, the Browns are taking a low risk, high reward kind of uh, direction in it. Jackson didn't show a ton on tape. He looked good, not great. So he runs this great 4-3 type of time, but maybe really doesn't show it on the field. Um, but his time in Dallas, he showed uh, some development in training camp. He showed some that, that got people kind of excited. And so the Browns take a, a reasonable gamble, really at the cost of Corey Lemonier, which is nothing. The Browns now have another young guy who they brought in as a waiver claim who has a lot of upside that could really impact the team. There are some that believe that Jackson could, could, it's a big could, but could keep the Browns from needing to draft a running back uh, anywhere in the first two days of the NFL draft. And that if they're not able to re-sign Isaiah Crowell, could at least give the Browns some depth at the position and possibly a future starter. We know it's not always easy to start in the NFL, especially coming out of a small school like Eastern Michigan, but Jackson's body, Jackson's measurables, and the fact that many, many people wanted Jackson uh, on this waiver claim is exciting. Normally when you look at someone who is cut, you just assume a negative, but with all the players that are at the running back position for the Cowboys, 
someone's going to get cut. That doesn't mean that someone doesn't have talent. And the Browns have another waiver claim that they're hoping can make some kind of impact. We have that with Tyrone Holmes, who they still have some hope for as an edge rusher, still needs to develop uh, and has some time to do that. Needs to develop other moves, those kind of things. We see that with Brian Body Calhoun, who has really stepped up to show that maybe he has a future, um, maybe like a Lehigh Baden type uh, player, maybe even the Tayshawn Gibson uh, type undrafted player who comes out of nowhere. Now the Browns have Darius Jackson on their side, someone who has a lot of speed, who can be used to kick uh, as kick returner, punt returner, uh, can be used out of the backfield. Um, we may not see much. We may not even see him active for the last three games of the year, but we will see him next year in training camp. And that provides some more excitement, some more depth, and a lot more athleticism to the roster. And we'll end today talking about another roster move that was made today, but not by the Cleveland Browns, but by the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals surprised many in waving wide receiver Michael Floyd. You might remember Floyd as a Notre Dame uh, product, high first-round draft pick, uh, size, body, a little bit of speed, uh, supposedly had decent hands, who has really not panned out and has gotten worse, especially this season. The Cardinals decided to cut him because of his play, because they're out of really any type of playoff contention, and finally because he got a DUI during their bye week. So that has led Browns fans to want to pick him up. And so let's address that in kind of two different areas. One, with a DUI, I think you can just really count the Browns out pretty quickly uh, based on kind of wanting to get rid of all the knuckleheads, wanting to set a new culture. Um, I just don't think that fits for the Browns. Um, two, he's not been a very good receiver. Uh, his numbers are not that impressive compared to someone like Corey Coleman, who hasn't played as many games. Um, Coleman and Floyd are looking pretty similar. Uh, not exactly the same, but nothing that would get you excited when you look at his numbers. Three, the Browns aren't competing for anything right now, and so bringing in a veteran uh, to take playing time from Coleman or Higgins or Lewis doesn't make a lot of sense for the team. Uh, and four, Floyd will be a free agent at the end of the season. And so bringing in someone with kind of that baggage, uh, some reputation issues outside of just the DUI, as well as isn't really a productive player, doesn't make a lot of sense. It gives them an early look at him in free agency, kind of like the Jamie Collins trade where basically they delayed the possibility of getting a compensatory pick, uh, which is what they traded to get Collins. If they don't like what they see, they just get that pick one year later, but they also get the option of franchise taking Jamie Collins. Well, that makes sense, except he's not that good. The Browns have Collins to worry about. The Browns have Terrell Pryor's contract to worry about. Adding Floyd, for all of those reasons, don't doesn't make a lot of sense. On the other hand, there is one reason it does make a little bit of sense, depending on what you think of Michael Floyd, depending on what you think other teams think of Michael Floyd, and depending on how much people are going to be willing to spend with this salary cap that, not as great as the NBA, but pretty significantly continues to go up. And that's that signing, uh, claiming Michael Floyd, which that's when you could cut George Atkinson, could allow you to get some type of compensatory pick in free agency. And so if Floyd signs a decent contract next year with some other team, whoever claims him this year 
just gets that compensatory pick just for claiming him. And there are some, maybe based on his Notre Dame uh, history, which tends to kind of push people up a little bit in media and some teams' eyes, uh, maybe based on his size, maybe based on when he was drafted. There are many who think Michael Floyd might actually get a decent contract. So if he's going to get a decent contract, why shouldn't the Browns claim him and then pick up an extra fifth round pick, maybe even a fourth round compensatory pick? Why not? It's worth a shot. I don't see it happening, though. And unless you want to read too much into George Atkinson not being cut, um, I don't see the Browns deciding to go down that road, even if it is for a compensatory pick. If they don't play him, the odds of him getting the type of contract that will help them get that pick is pretty low. If they do play him, they're cutting into their young player's development and kind of going against the grain of everything else they've been doing when it comes to character. And so Browns fans, while the idea of Michael Floyd is kind of exciting and there's some what-ifs to that, the reality of Michael Floyd, both on and off the field, don't make him worth it. It's possible even teams like the New York or the New England Patriots will find him not worth it. Because on the field, he doesn't add that much for you. Off the field, who knows what's going to happen from that DUI? Who knows about the work ethic? The Cardinals weren't willing to keep him for three more games, even though they could get a compensatory pick. That tells you all you need to know about Michael Floyd. Thank you guys all for stopping by this Locked On Browns podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I appreciate all of your listening, all of your communication. Check out um, my Browns writing on the Orange and Brown Report. Uh, Brent Soboleski and myself, uh, Brent, who does uh, work for the Bleacher Report, does work for us, uh, does a great job covering a lot of things, including the NFL Draft. Uh, And I do a two for Tuesday. We did it a day late due to some weather issues. Uh, check that out. We talk a little bit about Terrell Pryor's contract, something I talked about yesterday. And then we talk about the Browns offensive line and where we see it going forward. Again, you can always communicate with me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns.